Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets? This is Chico Leo here with another Fan Bros special delivery, and I'm, of course, joined in the escape pod. By my fellow fan bro, Kimsonian, aka the man in the yellow suit. The man in the yellow suit, I like that. Although it's somewhat sinister. Almost as sinister as the man in the yellow hat. Yeah, no, but it's also very appropriate for what we're going to talk about tonight. Right, right. No, I, I, I got it. I got it. So uh, we got a uh, we got a very special special delivery for everyone uh, tonight. But uh, I guess we're gonna get things started by talking about tonight's uh, most recent episode of The Walking Dead, entitled "Try." And uh, what do you think that means, Kimson? I, I well, I think they're trying to make a good episode out of it. Actually, apparently, people really liked this episode. I really didn't. Um, I thought there were some good moments, but it's the what is it? Penultimate episode before the end of the season. So, right. Um, you know, like you say, it's table setting. It's they got to get everything in order so that the last episode for the season finale is like a really explosive one. Well, it, it's interesting because I think there's been a trend in TV recently when you think about like the penultimate episodes of Breaking Bad and like the end of the seasons of The Sopranos and even Game of Thrones, like the HBO way to do it is to make the penultimate episode the big, the big bang. And then the final episode is sort of clean up and then table setting for the next season. But The Walking Dead is clearly not doing that. Um, yeah, I, I really like this episode. Um, and I can definitely say why. What 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 didn't you like, or what were you expecting, or how did it not meet your expectations? It was it was a little fractured, and I felt like we were too much in the psychosis, uh, Rick psychosis, for him. He not to get too crazy with it, but everybody, our crew, everybody's feeling a certain way. It's the aftermath of losing Noah. Uh, last week, it's the aftermath of this in really, really intense um, episode, which I really loved last week. Um, and so we're, we're seeing this kind of emotional fallout and all that kind of stuff. I get it. But if it doesn't really move the story along in a dramatic way, I feel like they're they're kind of imploding and we're just seeing more and more, you know, implosion. And I always say this. I like when they're on the move because that's what keeps keeps the show kind of exciting. I mean, always in the last three seconds, you're going to find something about the show that's kind of interesting. And they did that again tonight with Michonne stepping in and seeming like she's rebelling against her own team. But I feel like. Um, this episode was really not up to par with kind of the, the setups that they had in previous episodes. So the Michonne stepping in at the end, I, I actually thought was like, a, yo, there's a new sheriff in town. Like that would be if this was a comic book, that would be the, uh, you know, her, her uh, dialogue bubble or, you know, the big, you know, thing across the bottom. Um, I mean, she wasn't the only one. I mean, Carl tried to pull Rick off him like everybody sort of seemed to be in agreement that Rick had kind of crossed the line or lost control um, or whatever. I mean, we watching the show are completely on his side in the sense that this dude is a douchebag. This dude is beating his wife. He might start beating his kid. 
you know, um, you know, we know Rick likes her. We've never given given any reason not to like her. Whereas every, you know, the first time we saw that dude, he was like sitting on a porch, you know, with his face in shadow, smoking a cigarette. Like he couldn't have been more sinister. So we're like programmed to, you know, sort of want to be with Rick and not and not that dude. Um, I, I do agree with you that it felt a little fractured. I actually thought they were going to do one of these episodes where it was just going to be the female characters almost. And, um, you know, we got to see, you know, the woman who runs Diana or whoever the woman who runs uh, Alexandria. Alexandria. We got to see some Carol action. We got to see Sasha, Michonne, Rosita. I mean, I feel like, you know, women of color were represented better in five minutes on this than they have been in action shows in a long time, if ever. Just they were all really badass doing badass stuff. And, you know, and then it cut back and forth between that and and, and like Rick dealing with this domestic situation where he's into the woman. Right. I think that's where I I really checked out because this whole idea of him caring so much. And then she literally says, why do you care so much? And then it really doesn't come out until he's kind of the, you know, man outside, the outsider, where he's on his knees with a bloody face and he's preaching, you know, he's doing the Rick monologue and talking about how they can't survive, which he could have said, you know, very easily two episodes ago when they first came in and realized how crazy everything's going on and, you know, how how their attitudes are in Alexandria. And especially after these guys came home, you know, missing some of their own people, um, there's there's a moment to be reflected there. You know, it seems like, I don't know, it, the tempo, the tone, there was a lot that was really fractured that was off for me. That said, there were some interesting little tidbits about the W zombies and the, the, the different kind of clues as to th- that there's another presence outside and that, um, you know, Daryl and uh, I forget, uh, L.L. Bean dude, they're, right. go- they're going out, you know, tracking these these walkers. And I felt like or they know that somebody's doing something. I thought, you know, that's like kinetic. You know, this whole domestic violence and the zombie apocalypse thing is kind of I don't know. I just felt it was kind of corny. Right. I mean, and it's true. I mean, I feel like it's the kind of storyline that they have to put in there because, you know, now they're at Alexandria and there's a certain sense of normalcy. I mean, obviously, if you're out in the wild and one dude, you know, dude is beating his wife or beating anyone and won't stop. I mean, yeah, you're just going to kill him. Um, And and the show has obviously been wrestling with this whole notion of, um, you know, basically kill or be killed. Right. And I mean, it's survival of the fittest. And we followed these guys so intently that we know what works. So Rick is literally saying we know what works. Our team knows what works. And they're like lying about, you know, that guy's lying about how Glenn like left yes. him there to die. And so it's really imploding and everybody's fracturing. Last episode, we saw the the preacher setting everybody up. They're backbiting each other. And so we, I don't I really don't know what's going to happen at, now that Michonne seems like she's comfortable in a in a sheriff's uniform that makes her look retarded when she's so beautiful in so many other ways. But, right. uh, you know, but um, anyway, I mean, I get it. It moved. It did move. I guess the series along, I wasn't, I just wasn't too thrilled with this particular episode, especially coming off of last week, which was like, right. Television is like some of the best television out there, you know? No. And it's true. And in terms of that, like just, there were no action set pieces in this. Um, 
But I, you know, I, I, I kind of like the whole, you know, getting into who, who's carving W's and leaving people tied to trees to get turned into zombie, you know, like there's a whole thing going on. And, you know, this whole thing with the only the strong survive was set up way back when they went to Terminus, where it turned out that the Terminus people were all friendly and welcoming people. And they welcomed people who came in and took over and were raping them and killing them and eating them. And they realized, well, this is what we've got to do to survive. And in their own way, I mean, that's been echoing over everything, you know, with with Rick and his crew um, this whole season. Right, right. And, and, you know, there are so many factors going on with the battle fatigue. And I think it's also a crucial moment where our group is actually splitting, you know, at the seams. And, like, Sasha's on some quest to just waste ammunition, you know. Well, just, yeah, like, I mean, but hunting she... These guys. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of people who lost their whole family, but she lost her man. This season alone, right? She lost her man. She lost her brother. She obviously feels some guilt over the Noah thing because she told him, yo, you're going to die. I mean, you're obviously going to feel, if you have any humanity left, if you say that to someone and then they go out and die, there's got to be, you know, she's not responsible. But I thought that was part of that scene was a good way of sort of communicating how... You know, I mean, at a certain point, you know, she's she's hopefully going to get better mentally or whatever. But at a certain point, it's not worth staying alive if you're going to lose all your, you know, your humanity and your loved ones and, and, and everything. And so we've seen a lot of characters face that and come back from it or basically face it and, and, and not be able to deal with it. Um, right. And then Rick is 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 this episode. I felt like he was just wrestling with his own crazy like the way they portrayed him i thought he was going to start seeing his ex-wife again and it, i mean that actor is amazing because he he plays crazy rick really good but I, I didn't i don't like vigilante rick i don't know i don't like this idea of him trying to uh you know control i don't know it just seemed really off like new and off and i get it you know they're in this environment that's completely alien to them and it takes him a minute to recognize that there are problems both on the outside and the inside but i i really um i don't know for some reason i feel like we're hitting a dead spot you know there's a movie there's an apocalypse now there was a sequence right do you know the sequence i'm talking about are you talking about when they stop and talk to the french people there you go so yeah there was a reason why that sequence was cut out you know that's true and basically, you know, Fambros, Google it. You can probably see it on, on YouTube. But this completely slowed down the story of them traveling upriver. Right. But what it did showcase, and this is true, is that in Vietnam, there were, because Vietnam was settled by, uh, colonized by the French before the Americans came, um, there were old French, you know, colony kind of rubber uh, houses, rubber plantations and families that stayed there. Right. And, you know, there were these pockets of Alexandria's, you know, I guess people frozen in time. But, you know, you're telling the story and you got to kind of balance what keeps it moving. So anyway, for me, try was try harder. There you go. Right. How's that? Well, um, I guess. In other in other comic book related TV shows, iZombie finally uh, premiered this week, and they had been talking that you know uh, the CW had been advertising that a lot during Flash and during Arrow uh, in the in the previous months, and there was even they sort of changed the way that they had been advertising it. Now I, I actually read the trade paperback uh, a while back of the first you know eight issues. 
Um, did you ever read the comic or? I, I didn't. I didn't read the comic. I always looked at it and I was like, oh, okay. Like the play on the spelling or whatever. But um, but I did check out the TV show. And what'd you think? So I, I actually really enjoyed it. Surprisingly enough, I'm not on this CW thing where like the casting again looks like 90210 with makeup right. on, whether it's The Flash or these other shows, um, you know, Arrow and all this other stuff. But I do have to say, I, I did like it. I like the sense of humor. Um, I dug the irony of it. I feel like it's doing a little Buffy, you know, like it's kind of picking up where this kind of wink at you, you know, while you're watching it. And but at the same time, the story was actually pretty engaging. Um, the effects aren't bad. And uh, I thought it was I thought it was actually really good. Right. So I, I liked it, too. I, I was I was a little on the fence watching the, you know, the, the trailers that they were advertising. I don't think that they advertised it as well as they could. Uh, for people who didn't see it, iZombie is definitely like a different take on the whole zombie thing from The Walking Dead. And on a scale of one to ten, with The Walking Dead being ten and like Lady and the Tramp being one, I would say that the uh, the you know the gore and violence in I Zombie is like more like a three or a four at the absolute most. And so she's a doctor or a med student who gets turned into a zombie, and that gets they get through that very quickly. And she takes a job working for the like coroner's office or the ME. And, you know, she's a zombie, so she has to eat brains, so she eats the brains of the cadavers. And when she eats the brains, she gets visions of how these people were killed. So she teams up with a cop, and they uh, basically, you know, solve crimes and and solve people's murders. Um, I I definitely agree on both your points. Um, It bothers me on all the CW shows where you're talking about the 90210 thing. I mean, it's basically, you know, everybody is just a little too pretty, a little too, you know, sort of camera perfect. Um, and that that actually had put me off on The Flash a little bit in the beginning. You know, even though there was, you know, some diversity, there was still very much like an Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, type of feel or vibe, you know, in, in, in all these CW shows. Beyond that, I, I agree with you. I thought that the, the humor was, was good, and it's another take on the zombie show. And that, that vibe that you were talking about, it's the Rob Thomas, the showrunner, is the guy who did Veronica Mars. Right, there it is. And it's it's that, which is sort of smart and winking at the audience, but still, you, you're, you know, you're, you're involved. You know, it's not straight up, you know... Every, every uh, you know, turning around and winking at the audience with every scene. But there's a little bit of letting the audience in on the joke, but also taking the joke seriously. Yeah, and, and there's there's all these side quips, and everybody's got a one-liner and stuff like that. Um, I think they, they, you know, the CW's really found their niche of, like, the tone of their kind of supernatural or superhero shows, and yeah. they're, they're being pretty consistent with iZombie. Um, how they how they you know rolled that out yeah I, I mean I agree I'm gonna stick with it you know it could it could go either way but I'm pretty you know based on what I've seen from the CW I I actually stuck with the 100 and that just ended recently and I thought all in all that was pretty good I mean it had some of these issues that we talk about and they're constantly sticking sort of teenage love triangles in there um, oh by the way I didn't mention shout out to Carl for uh, 
turning down what could have been his only chance to kiss a girl ever. <laughs> I know on The Walking Dead. I know he yeah. was on uh, Talking Dead afterwards, and they were talking about that scene. And um, it could have been the only time Carl right. got got some uh, some he's such some a, loving, yeah, some loving and and teenage loving in the zombie apocalypse. That's nothing to sneeze at, you know. That I mean? is that is it. That is that is you know yeah exactly. My one regret, if I could go back in time, was. My first kiss did not have zombies crawling around the woods all around us. There you go. Well, you can't have everything, Chico. Right now. But we do have something special for uh, our Fambro's uh, listening audience. Um, coming straight from Philly, we've got Ty the Robot and Captain Kirkisha discussing the season finale and general season of Empire. This is DJ Maceo, a.k.a. Dr. Spock. You know what it is. It's your boy, Young Guru, a.k.a. The Beast, a.k.a. Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Not a Brahma. Hey, yo, 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 this is Foul Munch. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray. What's up? This is Spike Lee from the Republic of Brooklyn, New York. This is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fan Bros. Hey, fan bros, this is Captain Kirkisha here with Ty the Robot. Hi. And we are going to be discussing the phenomenon, my favorite nighttime soap opera, Empire. Soap opera, indeed. Yes. So, start with the premise. What what is what is Empire? Empire. Well, I'm just going to read right from the Wikipedia because I don't want to get into explaining it. But uh, Empire is an American musical drama television series which debuted on Fox on January 7, 2015. The show centers around a hip-hop music and entertainment company, Empire Entertainment, and the drama among the members of the Founders' family as they fight for control of the company. Okay. The hour-long family drama was created by Lee Daniels. Now, how do you feel about Lee Daniels? Um, you know, uh, I could take it or leave it. Most times I would leave it. He's very much like the secular version of Tyler Perry. Pretty much. <laughs> like, and if I was going to compare Empire to anything, it's kind of like a, a messier version of the haves and the have-nots. Hmm. Have you seen that show? No, because it's, who runs that show? Tyler Perry. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Lucius Lyon, he's the CEO, he's played by Terrence Howard, who is probably as polarizing as Lee Daniels, but luckily there's Taraji P. Henson and a cast of other actors and actresses that can make Terrence Howard haters watch the show anyways. You know what's funny? The original, well, I I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard um, that the original casting direction that Lee Daniels wanted to move forward in was Wesley Snipes and Monique for Cookie and Lucius. Mm. Which would have been a whole different show. Oh, yeah. But um, I liked the dynamic of Terrence and Taraji, even though I don't really care for Terrence or Lucius that much. Right. But go on. And so they have their three uh, sons, Andre, Jamal, and Hakeem. That's the family. Then there's Anika, who is also known as Boo Boo Kitty. <laughs> and she is the fian- ex-fiance now of Lucius. She's kind of portrayed as the bougie, uptight. And uh, who, are, who are your favorite characters? Um, before I get into my favorite characters, I really want to s- touch upon one of the things about Empire that I really like. I think this is a labor of love for Lee Daniels because he really like reached out to get some crazy good guest stars for this show. Oh, yeah. Like He's got, um, let me look at the list that I have right here. 
He's got Jennifer Hudson, Naomi Campbell, Malik Yoba, um, Cor- <laughs> Courtney Love. Um, <laughs> Raven Simone. Ugh, yeah, Raven Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, Snoop Dogg, Rita Ora, Juicy J, Patti LaBelle. Like, he really reached out Gladys to Gladys like, Knight. Oh, was she on? Oh, yeah, she sang at the funeral. Yes. Um, Estelle, who's having a really good month. It's just, he reached out to a lot of Mary people. Mary J. Really Blige. Like, was she okay? Here's my thing. They really hyped up her appearance, and she was barely on the show. She really was. Like she was in a flashback, right? Yeah, she was. Okay, I was expecting her to have like a like a huge meaty role, like Jennifer Hudson did. Right. I would have actually rather preferred they switch. You think so? Yeah, Jennifer Hudson kind of flat sometimes to me. I like her. I like her amateur acting style. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean, it's endearing at times. Mm. I wouldn't say well yeah okay endearing okay let's say let's go with endearing yeah but yeah he did he this was a labor of love and some people joke that it was therapy for him because he included some scenes that were directly from his life like the um you think so oh the trash can scene that was real life that was him really huh that's what i've been reading and i haven't had anybody dispute that so Right. Let's talk about the premiere for a second. Did you know about Empire before, like, the week of? Uh, yeah, I'd started seeing promo for it, and I was just like, mm, eh. Like, you know, I, I wasn't really feeling one way or the other. I was like, well, Taraji's in this. Maybe I should support it. But then... I think the week of, there was, like, a lot more, besides, like, the press releases and things like that, there was Mm -hmm. more, like, um, trailers, and then there were interviews and things like that, so I started gaining a lot more interest. Okay, I'm gonna be totally honest, I didn't know about Empire till the day it premiered. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't see any billboards or anything, or any ads, I really only saw it through Twitter, because I run the uh, Fanbros account, people are, like, tweeting about this show, and I'm like, okay, what is this? Taraji's in it, I love Taraji. But I didn't really know about it at all until, like, the day of. With the pilot, we get uh, Lucius, and he's running Empire, and he gets diagnosed with ALS, and Cookie gets out of jail. That's kind of the beginning of the show, and we get the information, we get the catalyst and the reason for the show's existence is that he's dying from ALS, so he wants to, he wants to pick an heir from his three sons to run the company once he's gone. And that's really the whole premise, or that's really the, the driving force behind the show, is that the, these three brothers are trying to figure out which one of them is more capable to run the, run the Empire once their father is gone. Right, which is, obviously, if this was real world, that's a terrible idea, but... You think so? Yeah. I mean, there, there are plenty of companies that kind of run that way. Like, a lot of, like, they're, they're run through succession and nepotism. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not debating the value of nepotism. I'm just saying, verbally saying to your potential heirs, I'm only picking one of you. Like, that's that's only <laughs> going to breed... That's only going to breed what we've seen thus far on yeah, this that's season. Yeah, I mean, if he, if if someone thought that in their head, I mean, it makes for good TV. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Real life, don't do that. TV life, please, yes, do that. <laughs> I don't think they're using Gabby Sidibe. I don't think Gabby cares. You know that too. Gabby Sidibe's career has kind of been like up and down for me. She could, she her first role was Precious, and like that was a huge thing for her. Right out the gate, she had this fantastic role, and she did pretty well in it. But then from that from that point on, she really didn't. Well, that's not true. She didn't do. Oh, she did do much. She was on um. What's that Showtime show? Crap. The Big C? Yes, she did The Big C, which was fantastic. But since, like, in between that, she hasn't really done much. How much can we blame that on her versus how many roles are being written for women like her? I want to believe that she's good enough to get any role that she wants, but the way Hollywood works, we know that's not true. I mean, how many casting directors directors are even going to let her audition? In the door, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, she's got a good relationship with Lee Daniels. And with, um, uh... 
Why did his name escape me? Jamal. Oh, uh, Jesse Smollett? Yes. Did you see Jesse? Because the last time I saw Jesse was in The Skinny. Oh, I don't want to talk about The Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about The Skinny. Oh, you don't want to talk about, um... No, can we? No, really, can we not? Like, that is like that is inappropriate for this show. It is. It is inappropriate. I, I, I really, I'm happy the, the trajectory his career is going in, but The Skinny is a terrible film and nobody should see it. Right. Um, it really, it's awful. Moving on. Moving on, um, who were your favorite characters? I liked uh, Delphine. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um. Well, I liked I liked Delphine. She was of uh, like okay. There's on this show there aren't many characters who are inherently genuine and nice. True. Probably two characters I can think of. Uh, Jennifer Hudson's character and Estelle's character. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is kind of messy and does terrible things. Very much so. Even Jamal. Like, he yes. even succumbs to that to that side of the, his father's business. Right. And does some terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't really care for anybody on this show. Like, they're fun to watch and they're fun to... It's In, in the sake of entertainment, they're fun, they're great, but I don't really like any of them. I don't watch this show to think, oh my god, that's they're so cool. I watch it because goddamn it's funny. Yeah, I will say that, like, Cookie is the character I root for most on the show, but only because she's in direct opposition to Lucius, who I cannot stand. But as far as anybody in the show, I was rooting for Jamal, but after he dumped his lovely little boyfriend, Michael, I I haven't really... I haven't seen it from him. I never saw it for Jamal. I think Jamal is very interesting, but not for the reasons people think. Okay, yes, he's gay. Okay, cool. Maybe it's boring to uh, me for (laughs) 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 because it's nothing that I. It's nothing interesting, right? It doesn't make him special. It doesn't make him like no. Yeah, it's just he's that's what he is, right? And and I think. If anything, him being gay hasn't made him interesting, but it's made his interactions with his mother and his father interesting. Because Cookie in the beginning was using that as a trump card against Lucius, but not actually valuing her son as he as he is. I mean, she loves him, but at the same time, she was definitely using his sexuality to gain an advantage or be be leveraged against Lucius. Because she was saying, oh, I'm going to have this F word run your company. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on that. <laughs> and I think that what's more interesting to, to me about him is how he's been so deprived of his father's acceptance that he is completely unaware of how it's changing him as a character. True. Because if we look at him at season, like, episode one, and then the season finale... He is a, he's a completely different person. He's like, and, he's more like Andre, which is scary. He's like, a, you know what? He's like a nice, a nice amalgamation of Hakeem and Andre. Pretty much. But then again, but then again, towards the end of the show, it kind of switches completely. Like, Lucius is going to jail. Hakeem and Andre completely despise Lucius. Jamal's the only one who really cares about him right now. Yeah. And Cookie's, like, just sitting on the corner like, I didn't do anything. Why is he mad at me? Right. I think for season two, I would like to see less guest stars unless they have an arc. Wait, so you want Jennifer Hudson to come back and save? I want her to never come back, but. but for example, Raven Simone, I liked what they did with her character Olivia. Even though she wasn't present all the time, her character had a story that could be carried without her actually being in the scene. Let me ask you a quick question about this. If her if that whole storyline, the baby, Olivia, all that, if that was not a part of the show, would that change 
the bigger plot? No. Okay, that is how I feel about her character in the show. Completely throwaway, completely useless. I mean, her, her plot, her storyline was complete trash, but I liked the fact for, okay, basically I'd want them to do something like what they did with Olivia, but in a way that actually matters. But how would you, but how would they do that? I don't, I don't know, but other shows have done it where they have a storyline with a guest character, but the guest character doesn't always have to be there for the storyline to... But my, no, my thing is, like, it, her whole character and the baby, it was completely useless because in the end, it wasn't Jamal's baby. So this whole fight that he's having, like, oh, well, he has this daughter he has to take care of now, and then all of a sudden he doesn't want Jamal to take care of the kid, like, it felt, it was weird. No, it I'm not, pointless. I'm not... I'm yeah, I'm not arguing against that. I'm saying if they could take the format but actually make it relevant. Like instead of it being this whole baby thing, have it be I don't even know what wrench to throw in that pile, but have it be for okay, for example, um let's talk about a guest star that was actually in the show, the the quote unquote parole officer. Cookie's parole officer. She wasn't there all the time. And and her storyline didn't need to be referenced all the time. But when it was referenced, it was like, oh yeah, I remember Cookie is working with the feds because that's how she got off. Like, she, the woman didn't need to be there all the time, but when she popped up, it made sense. Well, yeah, because she was she was a larger... She was a larger factor in the story. Right. Like, the individual character wasn't, but the storyline was. Mm, she was. The character? Yeah. I think she I think she mattered in terms of Cookie. Like, she wasn't... Yes, she's there to assist in Cookie's character development, but, like, she did matter. Like, without the parole officer, we wouldn't really have the... We wouldn't really be able to... We wouldn't be able to make the steps that we need in the story. Without Olivia, the story still moves. All right. Well, in that case, I'll say I want another parole character type person oh you don't like you just don't like the actress no 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 I, I i'm fine with the actress but i would like to see something like that apply to a different character oh okay you see what i'm saying like yeah. that person is there we know oh this woman is xyz to this character but they don't always have to be in every episode okay so something like that so besides season two being who knows what <clears throat> what are some themes that you really liked about the show yeah, I'm going to have you start this one. <laughs> okay. Well, although Jamal as a character is not necessarily my favorite person on the show, I like the fact that there's actually a black gay character on the show that has dimensions uh, because I don't see much of that on mainstream TV. He's not, he's not comedy relief. Right. He's not comedy relief. He's not somebody's sidekick. He's... A fully fleshed out person. So, a messy one, but he's fleshed out. Yeah, and it's sad because that's so basic. Oh, wait, wait. How did you feel about the way they handled Andre's bi uh, being bipolar? That was just... Okay, I personally do not have bipolar disorder. But I know that a lot of people with bipolar disorder do not present their symptoms like... Andre. There are some people that are that extreme but I think the biggest problem to me was that it was so they they turned it on when they wanted to like there were some episodes where you would not guess that he's going through a, a manic period at all okay. and then the next episode it's like oh his Bipolar disorder is acting up, and I don't know, maybe that's how it is for some segment of the population that is afflicted with that. For example, on the show Shameless, which also has a character with bipolar disorder, 
it does it in such a way that you can see that there's something wrong and it's progressively getting worse and you don't know what it is but you know that it, this is something that needs to be handled whereas I felt like Jamal was just up down up down up down and I also think that throwing in that whole prayer thing was kind of dangerous because this is a serious mental illness that that for the most part needs medication. I I have yet to hear of someone who is a functioning, well-adjusted person with the disorder that does not use medication. Okay. I agree and disagree with you. I'm going to All right, let me explain. Um I think that in the beginning they sowed the seed for for this really well. Like they had shown him like taking his medication and they and there were there were moments in the earlier episodes where his wife mentioned, "Did you take your meds today?" Like she they they really sowed the seed for this to be something that was going to be explored later, which they did. And I'm not really I I agree with you. I don't know how bipolar disorder works personally, but I think that it all came to a head really fast yeah the the scene with him in the studio when he's got the gun that all really happened kind of out of nowhere like once they really once they said that yes that he's got some kind of mental illness and that like this is a part of his character we knew it was gonna it was gonna he was gonna crack at some point but as fast as that moved he cracked really fast and really hard and his redemption was even faster exactly that's what that that's what i meant by like up and down it was just like he he's at this like really extreme low point and then oh three how long was he in the the clinic maybe a day or two. Oh, a couple of days later good as new what that's just i mean that's unrealistic for a lot of mental disorders that aren't even that also also it's highly inappropriate for the for what she did yeah right and and also, just the history that the church has with mental illness, I would not have done that at all. Empire can be a little over the top, but can, it can also be incredibly real. Like, they handle a lot of things a little too real for me. Like, with Jamal and Ter- uh, with Jamal and uh, Lucius and with, the, with the, the mental illness in the church, that was very real to me. I don't think it was real how it played out, but the way they approached it, it made sense. Because a lot of people will do think that if you just pray it away, it's going to go away. I'm just concerned... Not concerned, but I, I was not clear whether the show was aligning with that belief or not. I think they weren't because they because Lucius he Lucius said this. Hey, I'm going to prove to you that I'm I'm more powerful than God. And he went and offered her a record contract, and then he got her on his side, which pretty much destroyed any any faith Andre had in the church because his anchor to that was Jennifer Hudson's character. Right. But yeah, I think that's all the time we have for today. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm Tyler Robot. I'm Captain Kirkisha. We're going to get back to regular special delivery with Kimson or Kimsonian and Chico Leo. Uh, enjoy your day, Fembros. Peace, love, and hair grease. What? what? Peace, love, and hair grease. <laughs> no, you said it wrong. It's love, peace, and hair grease. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. When I'm not sitting at my desk ruling the comic book universe, I'm listening to Fembros. All right, thanks, you guys. Um, so I'm going to throw it back to the man in the yellow suit uh, for our for our final segment. So uh, that is the reference to The Flash, for those of you guys not really watching or stuck watching Arrow, thinking it was The Flash dressed in green. Anyway, um, The Flash really picked up this season. 
and actually really picked up last episode. Yes. Um, you can tell how good a show is by how many characters they kill off, meaning characters who you follow. You right. know, For characters in, in um, a show, more than four episodes, and you've seen him or her consistently, and then literally like maybe the fifth or sixth episode they die, that means this is a pretty good show. Um, thank you, uh, what's his name, David, uh, for the for the uh, Sopranos, because they're the ones who really right. made it a staple. Chase, and now, David Chase. David Chase, sorry. I was going to say Simon, but I know that's The Wire. Yep. But, and uh, yes. Um, and, uh, and so this episode of The Flash, spoiler alert, one of the main characters dies. Uh, shout out to my man, uh, Cisco, the genius who is also latino and i yeah, believe absolutely yeah yeah latino and and uh so he makes this big revelation we find out that the doctor who we've trusted all all along is actually the person who killed um barry's mother barry's mother and all these flashbacks i was right. trying to find a, a way and to so say he's it. the reverse flash in the yellow suit with the he, red piping that's it he's the reverse flash which is right. possibly the best name i have no idea why i love that name so much it's better than bizarro or like bizarro superman or bizarro it's like reverse flash which is like i don't know what that means but i like it <laughs> right and how he knew uh to make his to make his costume exactly the reverse of barry allen's it's it's crazy i mean but that goes back a ways anyway you know the yellow suit is an old staple in the comics um, right but uh, so, how the, how they're bringing this to light, you know, on the show, I really got to give them credit. They're mixing and matching, and it's really a superhero show. Oh like, yeah, you're Without really a doubt. you're really getting your quotient of the villains who show up like every episode. Just like maybe you know one issue would be dedicated to one yep. villain, but then you have this like under you know underlying story that pops up again. Like the season art keeps keeps coming back, and it's really you know. I'm I'm actually really impressed. They stepped it up in this episode, in particular. They got they they totally turned the whole season upside down. Yeah. So I was initially like I watched it from the beginning, but I was initially you know was coming off the second season of Arrow, which was really dope. I mean, we can talk about the third season of Arrow another time. Um, but I was initially you know sort of. I could take it or leave it the first couple of episodes. And then the first Captain Cold episode, I was literally like, holy shit, this is really good. And then they've maintained the consistency and yeah. or gotten better yeah. just, you know, pretty, pretty much since then. Um, and it's the same thing with Cisco. I found him annoying. And he, over the course of the run, became one of my favorite characters on the show. Um, one thing to note, they've definitely introduced time travel into the into into the the flash this episode with barry actually running so fast that he actually time travels right and the fact that the reverse flash is actually from the future you know yeah. who, who you know and so there's a whole thing in in the flash comics with speed and time and the and the speed force and people using you know you know basically in, in the actual DC Comics, Barry died running on the cosmic treadmill to, to do something with time to, you know, get rid of the extra Earths that weren't supposed to be or something like that in, in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So this is a major part of the Flash mythology, without a doubt, and we're just getting into it. Um, I'd also point out that they introduced Grodd 
Gorilla right. Grodd a few weeks ago, and we haven't seen anything with that. And I, I for one, am really psyched to see that. Right. Um, it's it's funny that you mentioned because uh, you know the Flash has in many ways like the wackest rogues gallery of any major hero, <laughs> right? And right. including you know, but they've managed to do a good job to actually make those guys you know much doper. And, they they um, still do have the worst names though. Right. They they I mean Captain Cold, you can't get a worse name than that. See, I actually like that more than the weathered weather wizard or Pied Piper. Or, but weather you know. wizard is worse. But I'm just saying. Well, I guess I don't know. Captain Cold has something to it. But weather right. wizard was terrible. It was just that was like really that's the that's the best you can come up with. Well, weather wizard I think goes way back to you know yeah. the beginning of the Silver Age of comics. I will say to anyone who caught it who watched Spartacus, that was Spartacus himself as the weather wizard in this episode. Okay, yeah. Um, there were two Spartacuses on the show. The first, unfortunately, passed away. And the replacement actually did a really great job and looked a lot like the original. And that was him um, as the weather wizard on on this week's Flash. And uh, great effects. I mean, you know, it's it, these guys are really pulling it off. And They and, are. They it are. Isn't, it's like the strand. I didn't watch the... What did you say? Just like the strain? Because I was gonna yeah. say just like the strain. Wherever they are is not where they're supposed to be. I don't know where they are actually, but yeah, I'm. Sh- it looked like it's a fake city, like Vancouver or something like that. Right, I mean, and I, I, it might very well be. I mean, but that's okay because they say Central City, and they're not right. making. And whenever they make street names, they're always names of like old Flash writers and artists and stuff like oh, that. Oh, gotcha. Cool. Cool. Yeah, so like it's not even like it's like real places that you know, and you're like, because I I recognize stuff from Gotham, and it doesn't bother me because we got a lot of the the exteriors are certainly shot in in New York. Um, I think they might actually shoot all the interiors in L.A. I'm not sure, but um, exteriors are definitely shot here on Gotham in in New York City. Um, yeah, no, they they definitely do the effects really well. I I didn't watch the Flash in the '90s when it aired. Um, but I'm sure that there's no comparison in terms of the special effects. I really feel like they're pulling off an interesting um, kind of young white male character, kind of like what Peter Parker should have been. Or for some reason, it plays better. I'm just buying it more in a serial like the way or, you know, in a series, the way he's trying to solve his mother's murder. You know, right. it's like like they keep coming back to it in a way that really anchors the story. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep that going and still introduce kind of the 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 random, you know, rogue of the moment, you know, the villain of the hour um, and still come back to this kind of overarching problem that he has. He's like literally his nemesis is the one who, you know, he works with. And so that's a that's a really good twist. Um, and to be able to play it out the way they did, I, I think it worked. No, I do too, and I I think it really raised the level. Uh, The one thing is this, you know, Wally West is the Flash now in the comics, and Barry Allen was the the Flash, and they definitely are picking and choosing and taking stuff from from both, um, including the fact that... um, So Barry Allen married Iris Allen, and she became his wife, but Wally West married Linda Park, who, you know, on this show, Barry is dating both, um, so I actually, you know, obviously Iris is a cast member and they did just get together on the show. Like they, you know, he, he, she just found out in this episode that he's the flash and did they, did they share their first kiss or did they almost kiss? Well, whatever. It's clear that Iris and Barry are going to be a thing, but in, in the comics, um, 
Wally West actually married married Linda Park. So she's been the the you know the other person at the newspaper that Barry's been been dating, who I think is kind of cooler than Iris myself. But well, there you have it. You have your choice, right? Um, what one last thing, uh, people? You know this whole thing with Robert Durst that started on you know with the Jinx where. He got arrested and a lot of people didn't maybe watch it right away, but started watching it afterwards. So I've seen there's been a lot more people talking about that. Um, I read in the news that he's now want, like they're, they're saying he might be connected to three or four more murders, which would make him an out and out serial, you know, totally officially a serial killer. Right. And um, on on Netflix is All Good Things, which is actually the movie that was made about him starring uh, Kirsten Dunst as his wife and um, what what's that dude's name? Ryan uh, Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling as as Durst and the interviews that the director did with all of the the principal players are what actually became the Jinx. So I thought the performances were really good. It's not you know it's really more for if you're fans of the Jinx or. Um, just generally, you know, interested in the story, but I just want to let people know that was out there. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Same bat channel, same bat time. Make sure you visit fanbros.com. You subscribe to us on iTunes, check us out on SoundCloud, and shout us out on Twitter at fanbrosshow.com. Peace. Fan bros. Hey, hey, hey.